Hello and welcome to the series Neurolinguistics. In previous episodes, we briefly introduced the field of neurolinguistics. In this episode, we talk more about the relationship between language functioning and the brain. Sadly speaking, brain damage and injuries were the initial insights that enlightened researchers of how the brain controls behavior. One of the early neurolinguistic observers was Edwin Smith, an American who acquired in 1862 a papyrus scroll that contains cases of the first mention of diseases following brain damage. One of the cases explicitly states that the loss of speech skills is possible following brain injury, a disease referred to as aphasia. William Dingwall explains that by the 18th century almost all known language and speech disorders had already been described. In the 16th century, a prominent medical scholar named Juan Grafenberg was probably the first to point out that language disturbances due to brain damage were not due to paralysis of the tongue. Making distinctions between aphagia and the neuromotor speech disorder we now call dysarthria, in which speech articulation has been impaired. The view that language might be localized to a particular part of the brain was advanced in 1819 by Franz Gall. This concept gained more attention by Jerison in 1977 when he refined Gall's view by explaining that language is localized in the brain in some complex manner but not in unification. During the 19th century, by studying aphasic patients, researchers made the first attempts to understand how language was organized within the brain. The French surgeon Pierre-Paul Broca was the one who made this remarkable discovery. He occasionally conducted research on the brains of deceased medical patients seeking to attribute various behaviors to sites of damage in the brain. In 1861, Broca examined the brain of an aphasic known as Tam, so-called because that was the only sound he could articulate. Broca was able to link the patient's impaired speech to a lesion in a specific area of the left frontal lobe, that is, Broca's area. Broca's aphasics would have meaningful but shortened speech, often lacking grammatical inflections such as the third-person present tense s and the auxiliary to be as well as articles, prepositions, and other so-called function words. Contemporaneous with Broca, in 1874, another area involved in language and speech processing was named after a German neurologist called Karl Wernicke by the name of Wernicke's area. Wernicke noted a language impairment dramatically different from Broca's aphagia. Speech comprehension is impaired coupled with fluent but defective speech. That's all what we have today in our episode of Neurolinguistics. Catch you in another episode. All the best. Bye.